Hello and welcome to episode 277 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm here to talk about Final Fantasy XIV some more with you this week. Uh, we are doing a four-part series on Final Fantasy XIV. This is part two, and joining me for this edition is Zach Wilkerson. Hey there. And RPG Fans Super Veteran, Liz Moss. Hello. Hey, Liz, we haven't talked on a podcast before, which is weird because I've met you in person like six or seven times before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, normally I podcast with people first and then awkwardly meet them at a convention. <laughs> but for you, for you and I, we went. I just uh, it up though. Yeah, for you and I, we went in the reverse order. But anyway, I am so glad uh, that you're here, Liz, because you are going to be the, uh, the, um, the FF14 OG compared to Zach and I. Uh, yep. this episode is all Excellent. about, this episode <laughs> is all about Final Fantasy XIV Heavensward, the 2015 expansion that takes the story of Final Fantasy XIV a little bit to the north to Ishgard and Kurthis and the Dravani and uh, Dravania and a floating continent that might sound familiar to Final Fantasy fans and all kinds of interesting places um it uh, I, when it landed it was widely popular i think uh the uh, me thinking back to that time people seemed to like it more than original ff14 in general and i know that uh, the discussion of it on RPG fan and its podcast was extremely positive. But uh, before we go into F- into Heavensward specifically, let's talk about our individual FF14 journeys a little bit. Um, uh, I will give an abridged version of what I said in the last episode. I started playing in, in 2016, and my FF14 binging has come and gone in uh, in different spurts. Most recently in uh, early 2020, but I'm currently on break. But I will. Uh, uh, res- resume um, in the lead up to End Walker probably this summer, but I, I'm not n- no promises. So uh, Liz, I teased it a little bit, but you've been an FF14 f- um, fan for quite a while. What's your? How did your FF14 journey begin, and how has it gone? It actually started with some people from Refugee Fan. Actually, um, I started in Early Realm Reborn, like shortly after launch, and I started playing with some RPG fan people: Mike Salvato, Stephen. Mayerink and uh, Derek Kingsbergen. Uh, we all played together on Hyperion, and uh, I've basically been playing ever since, with the uh, exception of like one year break in Stormblood. And here I am. <laughs> but I mean, you do parts of the story that I uh, am too afraid to get deep into. Like I know that you're at least a little bit into mm-hmm. crafting and and uh, end game raiding. Are you are you still um, yes. are you, are you are you caught up to? Uh, to, to both of those things in the in the current in uh, the current patch. Uh, we did the most. I'm actually on the last fight of the current Savage Raid. The last, the second part of the last fight of this current Savage Raid. I haven't done all the ultimates yet, but I'm going to now that I have time. Uh, since the new ultimate got delayed by like mm, a year. And as for crafting, we did on my server at least Leviathan. Uh, we did a big crafting project was basically restoring Ishgard, which also relates to this podcast. Well, the Ishgard part anyway. <laughs> so that was, we just finished that up and it looks amazing. Yeah, the, oh yeah. yeah the, that, that, that's a worldwide or server wide <laughs> mega project that you recently finished, which is, which is hella impressive. Oh yes. It was, it was pretty awesome. It actually started a little over a year ago, probably a year and a half ago, uh, on every server and it's now like complete and, they recently announced housing, uh, which means that players will get to move into Ishgar, but not until 6.1. So that's about a year out, I estimate. But and, I'm very excited for that. <laughs> and okay, if my math is right, there was only four Savage Raids in Realm Reborn. 
Uh, and then there's been 12 ever since in, in every uh, expansion since, which means you've done about 39 and a half more Savage Raids than I have. Uh, okay, so congratulations, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, that there's been a lot, but thanks. I did miss a couple of Savage Raids because of because of reasons, but I, I'm I'm glad that I got back into Savage and Shadowbringers and. All right, so for mostly up to date. So, so, so for Savage Raids, which is the second highest tier of difficulty in FF14, behind only those ultimate things that I will never ever even think about. Uh, you're, you're <laughs> at least in the mid 30s, which is hella impressive. You are a very dedicated FF14 player, and sometimes I think about just quitting podcasting and RPG fan just to play FF14 and Hades for the rest of my days. But uh, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. Oh, I love Hades. Oh, I really do. I'm not, it's it's the one 2020 game that I'm like sort of still playing. Uh, but, uh, I just got it. I'm so excited. <laughs> it, it, oh, it's good. You're, I, you, if you go in there with like the right attitude and and and, and just a, with expectations of what a roguelike is, then you're um, then you're going to be golden. But anyway, Zach, we're not here to talk about Hades or about <laughs> uh, uh, un, un, unless well, let's see, because Hades is a different expansion, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> indeed. So, Zach, uh, uh, not specific to Heaven's Word, um, what has your FF14 journey been like? So I um, am one of the newer players on staff. I started playing, I think, technically at the very beginning of 2020. Um, and I sort of doodled around with it through January. And then, like, I don't know, March happened. <laughs> and uh, then I am obsessed now. <laughs> I think I'm on. Like, the only person I see on maybe more often than me is Liz. Um, and if I want to see Liz, I go over and hang out in Ishgard or maybe used to, not anymore. Um, I'm very easy to find there. You are indeed. Um, cause we're on the same server. Um, and I have, I mean, I'm up through current content now. I am in, um, some end game, uh, like grind stuff, like relic grind stuff, which is maybe not my favorite thing. Um, and I am also, you know, just like kind of doing like the regular tombstone stuff. I have not done savage because every time I watch one of those videos, like my brain hurts. Like I'm like, I don't even understand how to understand all these mechanics, let alone avoid them. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm pretty casual uh, player. Um, but eventually I'll try some of those EX trials and savage stuff, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I, um, I started with a Dragoon. I main Dragoon mostly, and I also play a Dark Knight. Um, those are my two 80s. Um, and I, I just, I, I've beelined the story. I've done every dungeon. I mean, I've done, like, all the normal content, like, combat-wise, that I think you can do because I have a problem. When I looked at my volume of playtime in 2020, I'm like, PS4 thing. I'm not even going to say the number. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, but, yeah. Don't it's, never uh, look at my Steam. <laughs> yeah, it's a great game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. Now you're talking about uh, we were talking about savage and difficulty ratings. I'm trying to organize what the diffi- various difficulties of different content in FF14 are. I think you, I think you have normal, which is story stuff. Then you have expert, which I think would be like the base level of raids and and trials and like uh, and like level 50, 60, 70, 80 uh, content. And then you would have probably extreme trials, then savage raids, then ultimate trials, right? That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, I think that regular raids and alliance raids are sort of similar in terms of difficulty. They're certainly harder than main story content, but um, mm-hmm. they're not even I, on I, the I, same level of, of, of as extreme. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but yeah, so that would be like expert content, like the, like the optional stuff at, uh, the, yeah. the, 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 outside the main story. Yeah. I think that basically yeah. tracks. So, uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, uh, Zach, you and I are comfortably in the expert extreme range while Liz is living in Savage. Yeah. I'm trying um, to live in Ultimate, but I'm going to finish the Savage first. <laughs> I, I am too afraid to even look at the vendor that sell, that, that takes in Ultimate tokens. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't even, I, yeah, I'm not going anywhere near there, but, uh, we got FF14 on the brain always, but maybe in particular now, because uh, pretty recently, in early February, we got the announcement for Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great trailer. Yep. Uh, looks like... Oh, yes. And it's... um, Let's see. They're they're going to that uh, that island nation that's sort of in between Eorzea and the uh, and the other continent, and we're going into in, at least into Garlemald to take the fight back to the Empire a little bit. And it looks like that the final zone where the uh, where the story bo- the final story boss is might be the moon, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm living for the yeah. Final Fantasy IV references here. Yeah, and um, yeah, the lunar so whale many. that you can get. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, so the good. lunar whale. The fact that the uh, trailer main character goes from Dark Knight to Paladin for this expansion, mm-hmm. there's just so many. <laughs> I mean, like the the Warrior of Light literally turned to the dark to be the Shadowbringer in uh, in 2019, and now we're having the Cecil Dark Knight to Paladin transformation to match his little his literal character transformation in FF4. Yeah. Uh, the and um for a while there was a. Uh, uh, a, a trademark for spoken coming out, but I think that uh, for spoken floating around there. But I think Endwalker is a much cooler name than than for spoken. Um, but but oh, if, very much so. Yeah, but if we if we everyone's going to call it FF14 EW, that makes me either think of Entertainment Weekly or people just making an exp- an expression of disgust like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that's where that's where we're going to be in late 2021 and beyond. But for now, let's uh, roll the clock back to 2015. Um, the Final Fantasy XIV Heavensward expansion, uh, I, I think this is, uh, maybe this is an overgeneralization, but I think this is when, uh, Yoshi P and his team figured out how to make Final Fantasy XIV, because every expansion since Heavensward has matched it almost point for point in, like, what levels the dungeons appear at, and, uh, and their content delivery, uh, system schedule, and, and and how they pattern, you know, uh, the the post game raids and trials and uh, and and dungeons, like like all of them since Heavensward have done them like Heavensward. So it's hugely important for uh, the shape of Final Fantasy fourteen um, from twenty fifteen onward. But also just like it, it just kicks ass. Like FF fourteen is yeah. is always a theme park of. Uh, of activities and uh, uh, excellent story content, and then a rich uh, set of end game content. Um, uh, Liz, Zach, and I were not playing FF14 in 2015, but you were. So, how do you remember the uh, the Heavensward run up? And and you'll be forgiven if every detail isn't <laughs> isn't, isn't completely fresh because this was six years ago. It was a long time ago. Now I feel old. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and, we're yeah, all, we're all in our we are all in our mid thirties here, just like the number of savage raids you've completed. <laughs> That's one way to think about it, I guess. Um, I mean, oh yeah, obviously the details are a bit hazy, but I do remember the run up very well because, like, even in Arama Born, you you see Corthus like I wouldn't say early, but you see it in like the level thirty to forty story range. Uh, you know, before they boosted the EXP for the main story. And I remember, like, you could see Ishgard from there, and you're just, like, not allowed in. And then, 
even like leading up to, uh, even like leading up to like the end of Ramaborn, you're like, even before you meet Shiva and all that, you're like, oh, you get to see Ishgard one day because he kind of like hear whispers of it on occasion from that visit to Corthus. And then when you get to going through all the level 50 content, you go through, you start going through all the primals and there's a bit of a lull in content for a while. And then it starts to pick up once you get to Corthus and you slowly, uh, you slowly, you meet Ysail before you know who she is. Uh, you only know her as Iceheart back then. And then eventually she leads you to Shiva and you fight Shiva. And then basically, you know, at this point that you're, you're going to heaven's word. So when they, when they announced at the fan fest that I was at, actually, I think that was 2014. When they announced that the expansion was called Heaven's Word and we were going to Ishgard. I mean, we, we all but knew, but I was just like very excited for it because all I knew was there was a thousand year long dragons, dragon song war between elves and dragons. And I played and still play in Ellison. So That's I was right. like, the, this, this is going to be the expansion for me. <laughs> yeah. You're the number one Ellison fan. And, uh, and, and uh, like if playing Probably. through he- Playing through Heaven's Word, if you weren't an Elzen fan before, then you'll become one because there are <laughs> a number of potential hus- uh, like player husbands and wives in that cast. Oh, yes. Mm. Americus is very popular, Elzen. I mean, I like him, but mm. I don't quite stand him like a lot of people. Oh, but I'm... he's a very sweet dude. <laughs> I, I'm in his fan club, that's for sure. I mean, I mean, but there's Emmerich and Estinian and Orshafon yeah. and uh, and Isail, who you Isail. mentioned, uh, um, Hilda, whom uh, whom I love. Uh, she like... is especially wonderful because she's half Elizan, half here, uh, yep. which is like half human and half elf. If you're listening to this and don't actually play Final Fantasy 14, and she's adorable and sweet. And if you want more of her, play the Machinist. Uh, Job quests. Yeah, she is so <laughs> spicy, and and uh, and Ishgard has a, uh, a not really an, an explicit caste system, but there is a uh, there is a, a a nobles versus peasantry uh, class struggle a little mm. bit that um, Hilda is a very clear divide. Yeah, yeah, and, and Hilda straddles that because she was the product of an affair between an Elizan noble and a and a Hewer maid, and then she she ends up leading a resistance movement within Ishgard. I I, I love Hilda. There are so many awesome characters in Ishgard, but. Uh, She's amazing. Uh, uh, Zach, the moment for me, for the Welcome to Heavensward moment, was the mo- was near the beginning when they gave me a flying mount, and I got oh, to yeah. actually gaze <laughs> Heavensward in the uh, in, oh, in yes. the in the context of gameplay. Like, uh, uh, what was your early memory of getting into the level uh, sixty to sixty one content? Uh, when, yeah, when I mean earlier this, I guess in in twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I mean, so like you know, I. Uh, I liked a realm reborn and it was fine, but like those story quests, like during the patches were just miserable and they've improved that since then. But oh, as, as it's, as it's getting closer, like 2.4, 2.5, I'm like, all right, all right. Like as soon as like you start spending more time in Curthus, I'm like, Oh, this story is actually interesting. Um, Cause I really never liked um, like, I like a lot of the characters from realm reborn now, but like I didn't identify with them as being like significant um, like, or, or like being interesting until Honestly, Shadowbringers in some cases. Um, but I, I'd say, honestly, like, walking into Ishgard the first time was, like, the first moment for me. Like, that music um, and the setting and uh, the fact that the city actually, like, totally makes sense, um, which I can't say for some of the starter cities um, in A Realm Reborn. They, they, have, um, they have gotten uh, – the, the FF14 guys have gotten better at urban planning over the years. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. 
Um, and so I think it was just like, it, it was like the mood that it set, like with the snowfall and the music at night in Ishgard. I'm like, okay, this is going to be my jam. Um, and, uh, it is. So yeah, I mean, like in the characters, I think, uh, Estinian and Isail are still my two favorite characters in the game. Um, I, I just think it's fabulous. Estinian and Isail are wonderful, but also I have a, a special place for them in my heart because they are in my triple triad deck. <laughs> um, the way Great triple, reason. Yeah, the, the way Triple Triad works is uh, once you have enough cards to unlock all the opponents, is you're allowed as many three star uh, cards as you want, but you're only allowed one, four, or five stars. And uh, so, what your five star is is you know up to the uh, is a matter of debate, or like what the best five star is is a matter of debate. But there are only really five or six three stars that are like the best ones, and uh, and Asinian and Isail are two of them. So. Uh, I was, uh, I, I was, I was quite, you know, I, I, I see them all the time because I play so much triple triad. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, let's stay in the very beginning of, of Heaven's Word or maybe just before, uh, talking about how Heaven's Word sort of set up the content delivery system for all of FF14 going forward. I, I noticed a pattern, uh, I think probably like early in, in my Stormblood phase, uh, where, the, the post-game patches are always sort of um, putting a bow on the uh, – or, like, or telling a self-contained post-game story from like the point one through the point three patch. And mm-hmm. then uh, and while setting seeds for two span- expansions later, <laughs> well, then the point four and point five set up the next expansion. So in after A Realm Reborn, uh, there's a lot of uh, – of um Almigo refugee stuff in the in the 2.1 to 2.3 range and then 2.4 right. and 2.5 there's still some Almigo Al- Al- stuff but it's really setting up the events leading up to the uh worst dinner party in video game history and then the exile to Ishgard <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is true. Uh so and then and then uh this is jumping ahead a little bit in um in in the uh, 3.1 through 3 patches they do the sort of the end of the dragon song war leading up to a some real dramatic uh, clashes against Nidhogg. and then in uh, 3.4 and 3.5 is the uh warriors of darkness stuff and you learn about the uh the sort of the arrangement of the different shards and you even and even in the uh the uh, uh the, the trial series in uh, in 3.x is about someone who's uh who uh comes from another shard uh, so, mm-hmm. and so like, like, like they're basically teasing the events of Shadowbringers, uh, four years in advance while, se- while setting up the events of Stormblood, uh, two years in advance. And it, but, um, th- th- they set the seeds for that in Heaven's Word and, uh, it ends after you're, uh, you need to, you know, get the hell out of Dodge, Dodge being, um, Ulda and it, in uh yeah in in two point five uh, you use your connections with those uh, uh that you forged in those Kurthus quests in the level like thirty seven to forty two range uh, <laughs> in uh in Realm Reborn because you, you meet Orshafon in the uh, in those uh in in that quest range because he's a uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah because he um heads up an outpost in the middle of Kurthus in uh in neutral territory. 
but you, you meet up with him. He hides you and then basically smuggles you into Ishgard, which is a, an isolationist state that does not involve itself in, uh, Eorzean politics, uh, is completely ignoring the Garlem, the Garlean invasion of the rest of the continent because they've been dealing with their own war, the Dragonsong War, for about a thousand years. And, uh, th- that Dragonsong War and the politics and events around Ishgard are all about, uh, are what Heaven's Word is all about. And, uh, Zach and Liz, you both have expressed a lot of affection for Ishgard, um, even in the, sh- in the early minutes of this podcast. And I'm gonna, I- I'm just gonna, uh, reiterate, 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 words, reiterate what you said. <laughs> because, I mean, like, Ishgard communicates, j- sort of uh like centuries of history because it's a bunch of huge grandiose walls and bridges and a central cathedral and citadel uh with uh in sort of a multi-tiered layer cake of of, of stone paths with the uh with the sort of the more highbrow upper area and uh and lowbrow um, slums in the in in the lower elevations that even that even parts of it are even called the broom I think because that's like where you sweep mm-hmm. your your uh, your unwanted messes, <laughs> but um it, it it has a character to it and a uh, and a, a regalness to it that is just you know just it, there's just a presence to Ishgard that uh is is maybe a little bit less bustling than um than the main hub cities because I mean I was playing uh through Ishgard stuff in 2019 mostly when uh the end game content was definitely not in Ishgard uh but <laughs> but it uh I I don't know there there's like it, 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 Ishgard has weight to it that mm-hmm. was that I, I could feel even when it was mostly empty of player characters other than people like me that were running through that part of the story for the first time. Yeah. I mean, it feels like very like medieval on purpose, of course, and like you've got knights and and all those things. And it feels, I think in some ways, like the most like classically final fantasy city. Um, but also like, I, it just made me think of like, you know, those giant, like, like obviously like they're pulling from, medieval and european architecture for it and i'm kind of a sucker for those things um and so (laughs) that is uh, i think a big part of why i liked it but i think also like all those dynamics you're talking about um and i think that like the way that the dynamics um within ishgard um then sort of become reflected out by the dynamics of ishgard against the dragons and things like that and just like all the all the power dynamics that are expressed through the city, I think are really cool. Um, and just like sort of like that organ music in the background. I, I'm sorry. I could talk for days about Ishgard, but it's, it's delightful. Me too. <laughs> and I'm hesitant to talk about Ishgard cause I know I'll just like go on forever. <laughs> but, but not, not, not just Ishgard, but the, the first two zones of uh, heaven's word are, um, uh, oh shit. Uh, uh, one, one area of Kurthis, I forget what, I, f- I think it's, it's either, I think it's like the Eastern Kurthis Highlands or something, or, it, or Western Kurthis. It's like, it, yeah, the Western Kurthis Highlands yeah. is, I think, your first that, that's zone is, yeah. outside the city. That or Sea of Clouds, depending on which one you go to first. Yeah. Yep, uh, that's where I was going next. Um, it was, yeah. I, I, just, I just couldn't remember which cardinal direction the, of Kurthis Highlands we were, we were talking about. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, the Western, Western Kurthis, which is a, a sort of a snow covered tundra and ridge, and then Sea of Clouds, which is, the most fan it's it's sea of clouds is more fantastical than like any zone in realm reborn it is uh floating islands uh populated by um very uh 
very broad-shouldered owl people, and is uh, and and those are the two areas where you can first unlock flying. And I mentioned this to Zach earlier, but the uh, like when you finally get a flying mount and uh, find all of the little uh, uh, currents that you need to that you need to unlock flying in each zone. The first time I got to fly on my Chocobo made me not only is it exhilarating and make travel way easier and made me think immediately, oh, I need to do this for every zone in the game because walking is for suckers. Uh, (laughs) uh, And you literally can't walk everywhere in the the Heavensward areas anyway, so you kind of stuck locking flying. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, but flying is so dope. I, uh... Now I can't imagine a Final Fantasy XIV without flying and floating continents. It's just the best. Yeah. Even just unlocking flying in Realm Reborn areas was super sweet. <laughs> and, and and that's recent. That was a only that was a 2020 yeah. patch, right? Yeah, it was a 2020 patch. It was like last summer, I believe. But it was just super handy. Yeah. Even though the areas aren't nearly as big as Heavensward or the newer areas, it was just it's just so handy for all those all those routes you get tired of oh, taking. No, I'm you not, just fly over it all now. I, I, I'm not going to get mad that oh these these areas are still broad but not totally vertical and designed for flying like other ones. I'm not going to get mad about that. I'm I'm just going to be happy that I can fly in uh in like fly to Costa del Sol. Uh, all right. But yeah, and totally. like get 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 by all the stuff in like Mordona. That's like a total pain to. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I'm the kind of guy who, like, as soon as I would go into a zone, I would then like use my compass and like go find every single ether current, and then I very quickly realized like, oh, like I have to wait to unlock the rest of them from the story. That's very sad. But I would still every single time I go to a new area, in, even yeah. up to Shadowbringers, like I'm going to go unlock every single current immediately because I want to fly immediately yeah the first place i did that was was western kirthus highlands and i did it sort of casually because i didn't i'm like oh this is gonna be important later so i guess i might as well do it but i was like i was just doing stuff uh early quests in the story i don't think i even got all of the currents there until i had to move to the um dravanian hinterlands which is the next zone uh so i i was not in a hurry but then the moment i unlocked flying and started doing it i'm like oh i need to do this everywhere immediately and i and i <laughs> I, I entered the same uh brain space as you zach of uh, of making that my most urgent task whenever i <laughs> whenever i visit a new zone but um i mean it was it was easier to do in yeah. heaven's war too they've, yeah. they've kind of like um like even in stormblood and shadowbringers like they i think they they have fewer currents and more of them are attached to story quests now so like you have to go all the way through an area like yeah. every quest there before they unlock it heaven's war wasn't quite that restricted which i actually kind of like personally yeah, yeah some of the um currents are even quest rewards uh for like optional dungeons um mm-hmm. uh uh she sweep of the violet tides which is the level 63 dungeon in stormblood i think has a current as a quest reward and it's technically optional but if you want to fly in ruby sea and trust me you do that then that's that's yeah. not optional at all um you definitely want to fly in ruby sea i do not like swimming in this game yeah, yeah, <laughs> at yeah, all yeah, yeah. swim <laughs> swim flying uh is is the way to go in storm in stormblood that is Pretty fun, yeah. Uh, but the uh, but um, back to Heaven's Word. The the outset of the plot is that uh, there's been this centuries long war between Dragonkind and uh, and and Ishgard, and it's been going on so long that the that the, the dragons who you know do live for millennium, uh, like like remember the events of how the war started very clearly. But with Ishgard, they've almost become entered into legend or it's been so long that they, they, uh, that Ishgardians basically don't know any reality other than fighting the dragons nonstop. 
And uh, there hasn't mm-hmm. been a knockdown drag out maybe in in a while between the two areas. But uh, but like Ishgard is sort of in a perpetual state of semi ruin and rebuilding <laughs> because of dragon attacks. Yep. And uh, and a lot of um. Uh, a, a lot of uh, dungeons in the Kurthus a- uh, area, like uh, mm, like Stone Vigil and that one at the at the north end of western uh, of Western Kurthus, uh, are basically ruined forts that had been taken over by dragons. It's a uh, it, there's a lot of fighting dragons um, in the body of Heaven's Word. Part of the genesis of the Dragon Song War was a uh, was a dragon Hrysvilger, which who is one of the sort of uh, seven. Um, a major brood of Midgard Stormer, who are the, sort of the leadership of all, of all the dragons, uh, entered into a relationship with an Elizan woman uh, named uh, named oh shoot Shiva. named Shiva. Shiva. Yes, yeah. that's right. And uh, and uh, and Hrysvilger is is uh, has not because you know Shiva had the lifespan of a uh, of an Elizan. Um, their relationship was maybe brief by dragon terms. And, uh, and Shiva was completely made into a, into a martyr and exiled by her own kind, which sort of, uh, you know, got Hrace Vilger to be less than friendly towards humans. But more importantly than that, one of Hrace Vilger's sisters, Radatosker, was, uh, uh, who, uh, you know, visited humans out of interest, was murdered, and then her, uh, her eyes were stolen to be used as, uh, powerful artifacts, because a lot of, a lot of power, uh, exists from, um, coming out of dragon eyes. And it, it, we learn more about the origins of the war throughout the story, but basically, like, Hrazvelger is neutral, Ratatosker is dead, and their brother Needhog is the dragon who is most of the impetus towards continuing the war, because he is bloodthirsty and wants nothing more than to eradicate all of Ishgard. Am I, am I, I know I'm avoiding certain plot points, but is that, is that mostly <laughs> it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like there are some like eye switches and they left out. Like that. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, those, those that come up later. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, pretty accurate. And I think it's like a, it, 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 and I love the way that they frame the story with, um, gosh, who's the head of House Four Toms? Ed, Ed, Ed Monta Four Toms. Mm-hmm. The way that he's like telling the story, like it makes it feel mm-hmm. like this like ancient history type thing, and like it, and like the way they blend hit like the history of the war and like kind of give it out to you like in like sort of small bits, I think makes the character dynamics even more fascinating and uh, makes um, a lot of the characters and the dragons even more interesting. Like as you meet like Tiamat later and things like that and the way that like, Bahamut's related to all these things and right. Midgard Stormer. And like, I think it's just, um, they, they, they do amazing. Like it's like this self-contained world build that they don't use a ton after or before, um, but it, it's such a remarkable, almost self-contained story to me. Yeah, um, Bahamut, who is uh, a major player in the 1.0 story of of uh, FF14 and the uh, and the Coil of Bahamut raids in A Realm Reborn, is another sibling of um, of Hrace Vilger and Radatosker and Nidhogg. And Midgar Sormer is the father of those three dragons who uh, met his end um, taking down a Garlean airship before the events of Realm Reborn. And is the is you know still exists as in spirit form in the keeper of the lake dungeon in the uh, in I think uh, five uh, 
the 2.4 or 2.5 or 2.5 content. All right, it was 2.5. And uh, but after you meet his spirit in that uh, dungeon, he decides to accompany you as this tiny dragon, sort of just you know floating around you. Only you can see him. Uh, but like he, like as a means of him wanting to see if you're if you're worthy and can be trusted and uh he and he even seals some of your warrior of light powers away temporarily as a as a sort of a test so as you play through heaven's word you have edmond de fort tom sort of providing narration in the form of him writing down the events of the game as a memoir and midgard stormer sort of floating around you going huh so this is how you're going to uh proceed kind of deal but um, in, yeah. in, in, yeah, in Ishgard, there's a bunch of characters you've already mentioned. Um, uh, Emmerich is the uh, illegitimate is the illegitimate son of the uh, of, of the, the the ruler of Ishgard. What's what's his title King again? Thornton. King Thornton. Yeah, yeah, King Thornton. He's, he's basically the king and the pope of a uh, of a religion centered around. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's basically yeah. a religious monarchy, which is like a little weird, but. Yeah. <laughs> So, but Emmerich is the captain of the guard, and Montefort Tom is the head of one of the four noble houses that wields a lot of power. And he immediately makes the warrior of light and your, and uh, and uh, their companions um, wards that give them uh, wards of House Fortom, which gives them a little bit of freedom to move around the city. But uh, after speaking to a lot of people and getting involved in you know some local politics, you have to you're put on trial and have to fight your way out of a prison sentence. Uh, pretty early on, which is pretty interesting. And eventually you get essentially assigned to a quest to try and visit Hraesvelger, the, uh, the dragon that we mentioned before, to see if, if he could either end the war or speak to Nidhogg or, or just clarify a few things. And you're accompanied by Isail, who is maybe the incarnation of, of Shiva, uh, Hraesvelger's lover from thousands of years ago. And also Estinian, who is uh, the, foremost dragoon of the Ishgardian order of dragoons who has one of uh, Nihog's eyes on his person to give him extra power and wants nothing more than to murder Nihog and maybe also Hraesvelger. Uh, you know, drag dragoons are very into dragon murder in Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> As and, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and this sets up for a lot of the middle of the game being kind of a road trip <laughs> going um, west from Ishgard towards uh, the end of Dravania to, uh, to, to try and meet this dragon, uh, accompanied by Asinian, Isail, and Alphino, one of the Scions of the Seventh Dawn. And that's, that's sort of what Heaven's Word is to me. Like, like, I mean, Ishgard is wonderful, but you're kind of going through, uh, increasingly exotic locales with this real band of misfits trying to, um, trying to find the last, the last dragon that might be able to help. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that Isail is on the dragon's side. <laughs> so, like, her and Asinian, yeah. like, traveling together, um, and, and just, like, the dynamics that those two have, um, and just, like, the mm-hmm. very... And, like, because I don't think she's technically, like, a, well, she is in the incarnation of Shiva, but it's because she summoned her earlier in an effort to, right? If I'm not mistaken. Isn't that how yeah. it goes? She summons her, and so she becomes an incarnation of her um, in, an, in an effort to uh, defend the dragons. Um, and, and just, like, the... The push-pull of that um, whole dynamic and Alphano um, sort of also like Alphano sort of coming to terms with a lot of the mistakes that he made in, two, in you know, the 2.1 through 2.5 areas. Um, I think also just like there's a lot of great character growth uh, getting to know these people. And I think it's one of the things that makes it to me this, the, the strongest expansion from a story perspective because you spend so much time with those three people. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And uh, Isabel's position is interesting. I, um, I don't think she's like a descendant of Shiva. I don't, I don't think Shiva had uh, children necessarily. No, but, but, she she was an incarnation, or at least she believed herself to be an incarnation. And then and then when she finally talks to Hrysvalgar, Hrysvalgar is like, uh, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think okay. um, the way I read it is that um, the she the story of Shiva and Hrysvalgar, which did actually happen. Um, yes. in, in, uh, is considered sort of blasphemous by the, uh, by the Ishgardian church. And, uh, but, but still the leg, the legend persists and there is some records of it. And, uh, and Isail discovered this, um, became may- maybe somewhat obsessed with it, uh, thought that there could be an end to the Dragon Song War with it, uh, re- devoted part of her life to researching it, um, ends up builds followers, uh, b- building some followers and a, uh, uh, and, and 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 titling herself Lady Iceheart, and then she successfully summons Shiva into her uh, using uh, primal summoning techniques. Because you know, if, if there's belief and crystals, then you can create a primal, and uh, sort of identifies herself as a reincarnation of Shiva. Although really, what she did was um, believe in the legend strongly and then summon the primal into her. And when she does meet Hrsvelger, he, uh, he he's basically just like Liz said. He's like, no, you're not Shiva, but. Uh, no, no one can replace Shiva. Kind of, uh, yeah. Kind of feeling about it, but it's um th- that journey takes you through the icy parts of Kurthis, then into the Dravanian forelands and hinterlands, which are just a really beautiful forest and mountainy area. Um, mm-hmm. then into the churning mists, which are sort of a uh, uh sort of a higher mountainous area that have um that have ruins that look more classical Greek than medieval European and have yeah. uh, and have some really beautiful uh vistas and pathways and and that's also where you meet a community of of Mughals which is you know another reason why this is a more final fantasy expansion than uh than Realm Reborn was Oh I won't talk about those Mughals <laughs> they had way too many quests in my opinion <laughs> uh, Oh yeah I forgot about those yeah, ones were annoying One oh, yeah they, they they made you do a bunch of silly nonsense but like like uh like like look, looking for missing wallets and uh and and silly hunts before you could continue on through the churning mists and all, but also there uh there's um the beast tribe crafting quests for the the level 50s are over there and that's something I for, uh gladly did not engage in <laughs> <laughs> Those ones are actually kind of worth it. Not only because it's good for leveling your crafters, but also because in one in one of those quests, you get to slap a Moogle. Ooh. So if they annoy you <laughs> as much as they annoyed me in Heavensward, mm. just take the quest that lets you slap a Moogle. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna tempt me with unique mounts or triple triad cards, but I think you're. I think what you what you chose is better than those things. <laughs> there is a cool mount. There is like a giant fluffy cloud that you can oh, yeah. uh, buy once you max out the Moogle Beast Tribe mm-hmm. level. <laughs> yeah, every every Beast Tribe has one or two really cool mounts to choose from. Yeah, but my my very favorite one is a. Uh, it's my favorite mountain in the whole game. Actually, is the uh, is the griffin that you get from uh, some some uh, Stormblood beast, beast Tribe quests. It's uh, yeah, uh, I I use that griffin all all the time. It's my it's almost like my signature mount now. But uh, yeah, so oh, beast, I love that griffin. Yeah, yeah, Beast Tribe qu- um, quests are cool. Uh, and in Ishgard, you get to do them with Mughals, with uh the with the uh with is is it the Vanu Vanu are the owl people around the uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, around the Sea of Clouds area. And maybe my favorite are these silly little bug men in the Dravinian Forelands. Um, uh, they're part of a, uh, a sort of a, 
of a hive mind of insect-like beings, but this small colony is split off from the hive mind, so they're all having really heartbreaking identity crises, <laughs> like having, having to think for themselves for the first time. And I I love those quests. Those uh like, like Me too. The, the big dragonfly mount you get from them is isn't the best, but uh, just just for leveling up your alts in the fifties and for meeting all of these bug got bug boys trying their hardest. I I, I love them. Flying a giant bug is pretty fun, though, I have to admit. Yeah, Those were probably my favorite Beast Tribe Quests of Heaven's Word. Yeah, and for, for, some, uh, for some of their quests, you have to fly the bug around and, and like, crop dust certain plants to, <laughs> for, like, like as, as, as pesticide. It's a, yeah, the, the, the side quests in FF14 are usually pretty good, but they're, especially when there's good writing surrounding them, like the, uh, like the bugs in Dravidian Forelands. I feel bad. I can't remember what the name of their, of their species is. Is that the Nath or the Vath? I can't remember which one there. Yeah, that was. you're you're right. I, I, no, yeah, I, I think I think it's I think Gnath is the name of the ones that are still attached to the queen, and the and the Vath might be this this split off of them, this split off colony okay. that you help. I think. Yeah, I think it is a Vath. Yeah, that's right. So so yeah, so yeah, Gnath or Nath is the is is like the the main colony, but the one that you help is Vath. But anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, these are all just little pieces of the puzzle in heaven's word and the the last area you go to before you get to the true end game is uh, uh the dravinian hinterlands which again are uh have a bunch of uh, uh really cool looking ruins but uh there you um it, the the end game crafting hub is over there what's, what's the name of that of those ruins where the where the goblins are near where alexander is uh, oh idleshire um, idleshire yeah. that's it yeah the area around idleshire is um is is really pretty, and you meet uh, an, a beautiful FF1 reference in uh, in Matoya. In, yeah. yeah, yeah, in in Matoya, who uh, has you know has a connection to um, to to uh, the nation of scholars that I always forget about. Charlayan. Charlotte, yeah, uh, Char, yeah, Charlayan. This is Charlay. Is ad- yeah, Charlayan is the adjective. I I forget what the. Uh, uh, is it is it, is it like Charlayan? Maybe I, I forget. <laughs> I, I should have done some research ahead of time. But the uh, like um, uh, Matoya has connections to the Nation of Scholars, where a lot of the signs of the Seventh Dawn come from. And through some mumbo jumbo with her, you find out what happened to Ishtola and Thancred at the end of Realm Reborn. Uh, turns out they they basically Ishtola used some pretty forbidden ask magic called flow that get that uh teleported her and Thancred into a sort of a uh a magical ether that exists between re- between realities and uh, uh Matoya allows you to summon Ishtola back so uh the you know the fan favorite um the fan favorite cat lady from Realm Reborn comes back in the second half of Heaven's Word, but uh, and but now she's even more magic sensitive than before, but has also lost her eyesight. So n- now she is a uh, a a sassy blind cat lady, and not just a sassy cat lady. <laughs> so yeah, and but- even sassier as the story goes on. Oh even yeah, past Heaven's Word. Yeah. But that's another nice, nice Shadowbringers. Oh, Hello, yeah. Shadowbringers. Yeah, um, in she has she delivers the sickest burn in Final Fantasy history in the in some of the Stormblood post game, and then oh my God. and then in Shadowbringers she reinvents her look and uh, a little bit and is just is just even more kick ass. She like Ishtola is 
one of the fan favorite defining NPCs of FF14, and I, and I think she earns it. And, and uh, she, she's a little quiet in like the body of Storm in most of Stormblood, but uh, absolutely kick ass in Heavensward and Shadow Shadowbringers. Yeah. Save for that one very spicy line in Stormblood that you mentioned. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's in the, and that's in the post game, not not in the not in the proper main story of Stormblood. Yeah, uh, and later on in the patches. <laughs> yeah, and eventually you use the same means that you uh, uh, like. Apparently, when you summon back Ishtola, you also successfully summon back Thancred, but uh, he appears in a different part of the world, and so he has to survive. Uh, naked, living off the land for a few weeks before you finally <laughs> connect back with him. You, like you get some of the team back together, you finally meet Hreisfelger, and he responds to you with a whole lot of indifference. And you learn more details about the origins of the Dragon Song War, uh, including a giant cover-up by most of the ru- most of the ruling parties of Ishgard. Uh, it, it, it's abundantly clear that it was the uh, it was Ishgard betraying a pact with the dragons and not the and not the other way around. Um, uh, Nid, Nidhog had both of his eyes removed in the or part of the early conflicts of the war. One of whom is held by Astinian, and the other the other of which is um, I think in the in the sarco- in the tomb or in the sarcophagus of the first king of the first king Thordan. Mm-hmm. And uh, and out of pity, Hreisvilger gave one of his eyes to Needhog, so Needhog could continue fighting. Um, and he, this basically has uh, the party storming back to Ishgard, demanding um, like uh, de- demanding justice or trying to bring that maiden group to justice. You have to do a pretty challenging at the time dungeon uh, through the like part of the court system and prison system of Ishgard. And then in one of the most heartbreaking moments or moments of the whole game, uh, um, oh, the vault. yeah, yeah. And at the end of the vault dungeon, uh, uh, you're about to be shot by one of the, by one of the main, uh, knights in the order, but, um, Orshifon takes the blow for you. And, uh, which is just sad because there has almost been no one as helpful and as respectful to the war- warrior of light in this entire game as Orshifon. Uh, when we talk about heaven's War characters, I mean, he's one of the, one of the best ones. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's in the very famous line, you know, like a smile better suits a hero. It comes at that point. Um, mm-hmm. and just like, it, it's of all the deaths in this game. And then we're going to get to one that maybe I find even more heartbreaking, but I think it's the one that is played the most heartbreakingly. Um, and yeah. it's such a, such a delightful character, <laughs> such a good dude. He, he yeah. dies, he dies in your arms and is a, a perfect example of video game hero sexuality because <laughs> or, 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 Orsha font is, Madly in love with the hero, either uh, either definitely romantically or exaggeratingly non non romantically. But it does not matter. <laughs> it does not matter what you how you respond to him or what gender your warrior of light is. Uh, Orshafont loves you. He does. And if you remember when you first met him in in I almost said Stormblood. Oh my god, uh, in Rama Born, he he didn't take too kindly to you at first. I mean, he still helped you out, but like he he came a long way in you know you know his attitude towards your character and. To the point where he like, like when he's dying in your arms in that scene, he like says that one line that like just makes you want to cry every time. He yeah, said, uh, "Yeah, because you know, you're, a smile you're, better just... suits a hero," and you're just like, ah. <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, you're like you're looking at him in despair because Orshavan's been one of your uh, best friends," and he says, "No, don't mm-hmm. cry. A smile better suits a hero," and that just that that goes right to the heart. Uh Oh my yeah, god! Does it ever? I, I that, that dungeon still makes me mad. Not because of the contents of the dungeon, but because of what happens to Orshavon at the end of it. 
Yeah. It's one of the first like great dungeons in the game, I think though. I mean it's, like it's, it, a, it's very it's good. so beautiful mm-hmm. too. Great setting. Yeah. Great music, they, the fights are good. Some of yeah. the cool mechanics are a little bit weird, like having to like but like I think it's them perfecting their dungeon craft. Oh, for uh, sure. And they they get even better on Heaven's Word post game, but yeah. They recently added the feature to uh go to a dungeon in explore mode. Uh they haven't gotten Heaven's Word dungeons into it yet, but as soon as we can do Heaven's Word dungeons in explore mode, you know, for like G pose and just like taking pictures and stuff, uh the vault is definitely one of my destinations because it's like really beautiful and it's just so ish guardian. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, and and I love the dungeons in Dravania, like the um uh oh shoot, they they all have weird dra- uh, dragon names, but uh, but uh, a lot Sorkai of them is just amazing. Oh, it's yeah, my favorite dungeon in the whole Sorkai, game. Sorkai, Somal. Mm-hmm. There's the one that where you fight uh, Tiamon at the end, which I whom I confuse with Tiamat a little too often. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, Tio, you fight uh uh um, Nidhogg. Oh, I think that's Somal. What? I think that's Somal. Well, yeah, no, no, I mean, I mean, but there's a you find a dragon named Tiomon, which sounds a little bit too much like Tiamat, which confuses me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I okay. think I think that's small, but I'm not totally sure. Uh, Nidhogg, you fight in the Airy. That's a really good one too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The Airy is the Airy's one of the last ones. That's like the level 57 dungeon, maybe or it's 55. There? The vault's 57. That's what it is. Okay, and uh, and uh, and 59 and 60 is when you start getting into into some Magitek nonsense. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, because af- after this, uh, you learn essentially that um the, the the ruling council of Ishgard and the and their order of knights protecting them which are whom are called the heavens ward hey huh, huh. see what they did there <laughs> yeah they, they they've known the oh. truth they've known the truth about the dragon song war the whole time and yeah the word play of heavens word like heavens word because you're looking to the sky because there's you're fighting dragons in the sky and this is the game that introdu- introduces flight so you get to you know mm-hmm. sort of a Sort of go heaven's word for the first time, and the heaven's ward is are the name of this important order of knights whom we're not done talking about yet. Uh, it, but uh, basically, you learn that there is a, some very important, highly technological uh, um, ruins. Oh, what's the civilization that that has all the magic tech stuff? Allegans. Allegans. That's, that's right. Yeah, Al, the Allegan tombstones. I should. I, I can't believe I forgot this. It, it's been too long. I need to get back into the game. I, I stopped playing in May in May 2020. I should probably change servers also because I changed servers to hang out with some friends from from college when I was playing in tw- in uh, in 2019 2020, but now I might need to go back because I want to play with my RPG fan peeps again. Um, yeah, because yeah, you moved to like Aether or something, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're going to have data center travel soon, so so maybe, maybe I, yeah, maybe true. I won't need to change data centers, but we'll we'll, we'll see because uh, yeah, I, I, we'll I, have I, to see what the restrictions are. And, and <laughs> I still hang out with uh, with those college friends on online, and I, I did get something out of uh, being able to play with them for quite a bit in 2020. But anyway, back to Heaven's Word. Um, you basically take a series of airships to a set of Allegan ruins called Azisla, where uh, I, I believe that that's where um, is that where King Thordan's remains are, or. I think they're going there in order to get in touch with some sort of a power source. I don't think that the remains work. I mean, that's that's where the remains end up, but I think the remains have been. That's what it is. Yeah. I thought in Ishgard. You're right. Um, King Thordan's remains were in Ishgard. Uh, the the, red, mm-hmm. King, the the current King Thord, Thordan and his knights take the original King Thordan's uh, grave with them to Azisla. To, to connect that with the, with the Allegan power sources up there. And, uh, it's, it's a big floating continent full of crazy technology. And, uh, to get past the, the, 
Yeah, to get past, and, and also the Garleans uh, bring some airships in there too, and that's where you first see the Emperor of Garlemald, uh, is in the Sea of Clouds in the, you know, yeah. in, in the events try, uh, leading up to going to Azizla. Uh, uh, but in traveling there, I, I think it's to get past the Allegan defense system, um, Izael gives her life to, to, uh, um, yeah. to let you get through. And uh, that's maybe the, the second uh, huge, hugely tragic death that Zach was referring to earlier. Yes. Um, and since she's my, in the way she does it, I mean, she transforms into Shiva to get them past them. And then she like gets shot while she's doing it. And it's like, maybe in my opinion, like the first, like really, really epic, well done cutscene. I mean, 3.3 has <sighs> a better one, but like that sequence, um, I think it's just like amazingly well put together. And yeah, I mean, like, just like her growth and who she is and then her, her making that sacrifice, given everything that she's tried to do at that point. Um, to me, that that's the death that hit me the hardest because I just love her character so much. Oh, for sure. That cut scene actually made me a little mad because I disconnected before, like as it was starting, like she hadn't transformed into Shiva yet or anything. And back then, because now the game like replays, like lets you start the quest over and replay the cutscenes. But back mm-hmm. then, that wasn't a thing. So I reconnected to the game, and they're already in uh, Asla talking about how she, you know, still gave her sacrifice. I was like, wait, what? So I had to oh, go no. back to the interim to watch a cutscene, which is not as effective when you already know what happened. So I'm really <laughs> upset about that death. I oh, really no. wish I experienced it as intended. But that was that was an amazing cutscene. Yeah, and uh but when you finally get to Azizla and um and and enter the uh Etherochemical Research Facility, the final dungeon of the game, uh to confront King Thordan before he can uh tap into this ultimate power that will allow him to, you know, both rule as a despot and kill all the dragons. Um you, I mean, again, we're we're near an hour, so I want to uh, get into end game stuff a little bit. You fight the uh the the final boss of the of the heaven's word storyline um knights of the round the oh. 13 uh, uh knights and king arthur from ff7 <laughs> so i mean just like the spectacle of it uh i mean it's like maybe the biggest face roll trial in the entire game like it's not hard at all but yeah, it yeah, is yeah playing so it cool. Playing it after the fact, uh, it's um, it has been scaled down. It is very easy to go back and do that when you have level mm-hmm. uh, uh, level sixty appropriate yeah. equipment. I'm sure, I'm sure, Liz, it was much harder in the moment, but uh, yeah, the extreme. I don't remember the normal very well. I actually think it was still like fairly easy when it was current. But when you go to do the extreme when it first came out, like a lot of people had trouble clearing it, and I was like really happy that I was able to clear it as soon as I could. That was a really cool fight with like so many mechanics and. Obviously, the story relevance was just huge. Yeah, just like this is what this crazy guy is capable of. <laughs> but yeah, but as a story spectacle, uh, them using basically the belief of every, like the power of belief of everyone in Ishgard about the legend of the uh, of King Thordan and his knights, and a, a huge number of crystals that they that they brought with them, transporting it there, plus the dragon mm-hmm. eye inside of King Thordan's tomb. Plus, uh, uh, the, the power of Azisla, which we discover is, um, Needhog's mother, uh, Tiamat, has been imprisoned there for centuries and is just, it was just having the life drained out of her to power this floating continent, which is crazy. All of that stuff coming together for this battle against, um, King Thordan and his Knights of the Round. It, it, it is really, really cool and a, a cool cap off to the main story of Heaven's Word. 
But uh, the story does not end from there. Uh, should, should we go into what happens to Asinian, or do we have anything more to say about Azislaw and the and the research facility? We can go into Asinian. Yeah. All right. Um, Estinian makes the uh, the huge mistake because you've already defeated uh, Nidhogg earlier in the story. But Estinian makes the mistake of ha- of having the one Nidhogg's eye in his possession, uh, bringing it together with the Nidhogg's eye that you get out of the tomb after uh, King Thordan is defeated, and this allows uh, Nidhogg to reincarnate into Estinian, making him a blood red dragoon of death bent on destroying the uh, all of Ishgard and taking down Nidhogg Estinian is the thrust of uh, five of, excuse me, 3.1 through 3.3. 3. Uh, and while this is going on, um, let's talk about some notable side quests. Uh, a giant uh, um, Colossus appears near Idleshire because a, a group of goblin Illuminati have summoned the, <laughs> the goblin primal Alexander and uh, which becomes the raid series of uh, of Heaven's Word. Uh, Alexander being the, the giant mechanical uh, summon from FF6 and FF9. Uh, and and uh, and there's some a bunch of time travel nonsense and uh, and and giant robots and uh, and angry goblins in that in that uh, in in that side quest, in, including I mentioned this in the previous episode the raid who videos of which inspired me to play FF14 for the first time uh, the the brute justice super sentai themed uh, uh, the, themed uh, series of battles which is somehow I mean I mean I, I could be off by this like I mean Liz. Uh, Brute Justice was the signature raid for getting the best equipment in the game for probably four or five months, right? Because that, that's just how raids yeah. work. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it was the middle raid of the three sets of raids, and it was it was super fun. Um, yeah. I didn't get to do Savage right away that time, but that was that was a pretty tough fight. Nothing like – it wasn't as hard as the first tier. We won't talk about the first raid tier, but Brute Justice, and then even in the Savage mode, he has like an extra – has like an extra like phase. I, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the, the mechanics of it is cool, and uh, and the fact that yeah. it's a, that is a fun fight is cool. I'm just mostly flabbergasted that the mm. signature raid of this game for perhaps five months was a goblin megazord, and uh, <laughs> it, it, which just blows my mind. And also at the same time, um, there's a lot of again a lot of Magitech stuff, a lot of uh, FF6 imagery going on uh, in the Azasla oh, yeah. area of the game, and the games uh, and the Heavensward Trial series is the warring triad or three goddess statues from final fantasy six because uh basically uh reinterpreting those three uh end game monsters from ff6 as uh primal gods of lost civilizations that were subjugated by the allegans which is cool as hell and also three super dope trials um i yeah, i, lo- those are I love super fun trials i love warring triad it's like a, it's like a top five storyline in f in uh, ff14 for me yeah, and the fights are, um, you know, I think for uh, post-game trials, uh, to me, they feel like w- maybe one of the first, like, really difficult ones in terms of uh, mechanics. Like, I feel like the game up to then isn't really that difficult mechanically, but those, even, like, our normal mode, like, I really had to, like, really think about the mechanics. Yeah, um, yeah that's true, because you could fall off in the Sophia one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sephirot, yeah. Which you just knock to, you around. You have to do, you have to do some math in the Sophia trial, and it's, it's not as, not as yeah. bad, uh, not as bad as the, as, uh, as the Worker 7 new one from, uh, yeah. in, in Stormblood, but you have to do a little oh, bit yeah, of math yeah. <laughs> to avoid instant death in, in Sophia, who, uh, FF6 fans that maybe don't know these trials, uh, that, that's the, uh, that was the goddess statue that was just called goddess in uh in ff6 mm-hmm. super nintendo but um yeah yeah so you have these 
FF6 themed trials and this uh, these these Alexander raids. Um, the Alliance raid is not my favorite in Heavensward. It's a mm. uh, it's it's themed around the ancient civilization of Mach, which is where the which is sort of lore surrounding uh, surrounding black mages and a lot of uh, a lot of demons and nightmare monsters in FF14. Uh, the final boss yeah. of that is uh, is is Diablos, the uh, summon from FF8. And you also uh, yeah. th- there's some cool fights and settings in that uh, in that quest, but it's not my favorite alliance raid. I, th- I think it's the weakest Dun- of the four. It is the weakest. Dunscape is definitely my favorite of the three. It's yeah. just like mm-hmm. more interesting looking. You get to run through the city and fight Diablos, but Voidark and Weeping City are not quite as memorable. No, no. <laughs> I like the boss at the end of Weeping City, the Hair Demon. Um, oh yes! Oh yeah, yeah. Harry, she yeah, was yeah, really yeah. cool. Th- 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 that's a cool fight, but but for the most part, I think the uh, I think it's the weakest of the four alliance grades. I agree, uh, right? I agree with Zach. Yeah, and I'm having to run. Uh, I've, I've just run Void Arc like 16 times in the last four days for the relic quests. Mm-hmm. So now's the wrong time to ask me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I-, I can't bring myself to do that yet. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to get queues together for raids that are no longer current. But the yeah. F- uh, the FF14 team does a, a pretty decent job of. Like for for random special events, saying, "Hey guys, uh, here's a bunch of extra weirdo currency that you can trade for rare stuff if you've run these old raids to help people trying to run them for the first time." And uh, I, I, when I was playing, I remember the uh, um, the uh, Heavensward Alliance raids were in that uh, grab bag for a while. It, it, it was for some of yeah. the, the the Moogle ticket stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the irregular yeah. tombstones. Yeah, that, that is tombstones. kind of a cool way of doing it because mm-hmm. there are things that you can only get with those. Tombstones, or things that you can't get again, or things that are just easier to buy with that than doing it the old way. So it's pretty smart of them to do that, especially when they have like, you know, like free trial periods and yeah, um, uh, free weekends stuff like that. Just to keep older content fresh and giving more rewards and more uh, more things to do for uh, for longtime players. It's a uh, just a lot of smart uh, design and smart social engineering that the FF14 teams team does. But uh, back back to Heavensward a little bit. Uh, the story of 3.1 through 3.3 is is taking down uh, Nidhogg Astinian and. Uh, it, it, eventually it ends with a uh, a um, a really emotional moment where you're sort of struggling to i i think re- remove the eyes from his body remove the new eyes from his body and for a, a brief moment um like you see the spirits of Orshafon and Izael sort of oh. appear appear at on either side of the warrior of light to to help him mm-hmm. with the final with the final yeah. move um, oh my god, that was so emotional. It yeah, was, it was Sustinian at that point is asking you to kill him, and yeah. you yeah. and Alphano are both just like ripping. Uh, yeah, it's and like the cutscene before it with the, the fight between Hurtsmugger and um, Nidhogg. Mm-hmm. Um, that was incredible. That is that is yeah. a, a, like an amazing cutscene. Like we, we didn't talk. Like there's a moment where Astinian like shows up and like kills a dragon as well. That's like. What, what, what no, it, no, it it was um, Frey Svel- really cool. Yeah, it was one of Freysvelger's children. Yeah, um, gosh, appear- so cool a, yeah, yeah, appeared um, like in uh, in, a, in trying to appear in a moment of solidarity between Dravania and Ishgard. Like appeared mm-hmm. at sort of at sort of a rally to demonstrate, hey, dragons aren't so bad. Um, and and the dra- and I, f- I forget their name. It's um, it's uh, oh shoot, it's it's another one of those Norse mythology sounding names. I can't remember. It's one uh, you interact with a lot. Mm-hmm. But I can't yeah, no, it's the one. The it's the one that lives. Yeah, yes. yeah, but yeah, Vidofnir, oh, yeah, that's it was it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Vidofnir, who lives in the tower at the edge of the of the Dravanian Dr- yeah. forelands, and and uh, Vidofnir behaves very well, uh, even rescues a small child that was uh, that was uh, that that briefly went under attack. But Asinian appears at the rally and. Uh, 
does he straight up murder Vidovnir or just badly injure her? I think Vidovnir uh, survives, but at the yeah. time, yeah, she's it looks still like, alive, but yeah. it was really bad at the time. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was a, a real bad moment. Um, uh, the presumed dead Nid- Nidhog uh, mm-hmm. appearing again, but uh, but but that moment with Isael and Orshafont saving you uh, one last time and uh, to uh, to defeat Estinian, but also have Estinian survive is just so powerful. And uh, you also get to see Isinian maskless for the first time in, in one of the cutscenes uh, afterwards. Oh and, my god, yeah. And, and he's a handsome fellow. Let me let me tell you. <laughs> was anybody as surprised as I was? Like when when we yeah. first saw his face, like Absolutely. I expected. I expected like obviously I knew he was Ellison, but I expected someone older looking, and yeah. he looked like uh, almost younger than my character, and I was just like. Dude, <laughs> I, I think it's another callback to FF4 because in the final cutscene of FF4, um, Kane takes off his mask uh, and uh, standing on I, th- I think Mount Ordeals, and you see his blonde hair flowing behind him, which is maybe a little bit of an unexpected look for Kane. And for Estinian to yeah. also have flowing uh, like platinum blonde hair is uh, uh, with a final unmasking at the end of the game. I thought was was similar and, and might have been a direct callback. Yeah, that's probably a callback, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. I, I was just like, hey, he's like better looking than I. I don't. I don't know what I expected. I expected him to be older, but I was like, hey, he's, you know, a little hotter than I thought. Yeah, it's like it's like, <laughs> oh man, em- Emmerich has some competition now, right? Um, Ezel has some competition now. <laughs> but uh, so, so yeah, an incredible moment to end the Dragon Saw War arc, uh, and then the beginning of the next arc. Again, I, I mentioned that it teases Shadowbringers. Um, uh, five mysterious warriors from another world visit. Uh, uh, you, you reconnect with Thancred, um, fight them a couple times. Uh, uh, the, uh, why, why can't I think of his name? Um, the the, the Elzen member of the Signs of the Seventh Dawn. Uh, or Orianger. Yeah, Orianger. That's it, right? Orianger, one of those guys who I give barely half an ass about in, in Realm Reborn becomes hugely <laughs> important in, in Shadowbringers. Orianger works undercover a little bit, uh, with the Warriors of Darkness to, to sort of, um, set up the end of the conflict with them. But, uh, and then, uh, from them you learn that, uh, the Asians, who are, are a little present in Heaven's Word, but not nearly as heaven, as heavily as the Dragonsong people, uh, because they, the Asians were manip- trying to manipulate Thordan behind the scenes, but Thordan had his own, had his own, had his own, had his own agenda. Uh, you end up mm-hmm. fighting a couple Asians in the, uh, um, in Azisla as well. Yeah, in the Ethereal Research Facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but the uh, the Warriors of Darkness uh, tell you that the basically their their home world has fallen to uh, due to Asian manipulation, uh, and they're trying to restore their world by uh, by taking something from your world. It does not work out for them. But those Warriors of Darkness uh, from two or three patches in Heaven's Word become very very important in Shadowbringers. Um, but, but but we won't talk about them right now. Let's uh let's go into some personal likes and dislikes about Heaven's Word. We've we've covered basically everything. But uh do uh e- e- um I'll go first. But let's talk about what what our favorite and least favorite uh dungeons, trials, or raids are from this game. Just sort of our favorite and least favorite pieces of gameplay content in Heaven's Word. Um I'll go first. I've mentioned that I love the Warring Triad uh, trials, but I think my favorite uh dungeon in the game is uh, one of the level 60 optional dungeons called the Fractal Continuum. Because that is, Fractal Continuum is a great Allagan-themed dungeon, so it's got a lot of Magitek, a lot of sort of fancy, almost uh, Tron-like technology going through it. And it has such a great theme song. I love the Fractal Continuum music. It is is a jam. Holy moly. Um, 
and uh, least favorite. I don't know. Uh, uh, most of the stuff is pretty good. Uh, I think that um, I uh, there's one dungeon that I like a lot called the Anti Tower, where you're basically just going upside down through a crazy tower uh, summoned into the ether by Matoya. But the reason I don't like it is because the final boss of the Anti Tower is the Calbrena dolls from FF4, and those things have <laughs> always creeped me out. Yeah, and and even hey. and even the the uh, and the FF4 waltz of the dolls song is the boss music for uh, for Anti Tower, so cool. which which is which is cool, but also uh, is a little traumatizing. So I'm I'm putting uh, in a game with a lot of fantastic content. The most unforgivable content in that is the Anti Tower final boss. Um, but the mu- the music for the rest of the Anti Tower is just yeah yeah the, the Anti Tower yeah. theme is pretty good. It's it's, it's yeah. no it's no fractal continuum, but it's very very yeah. good. Um, but the the Calbrena or Calcobrena, whatever yeah. the name is, don't want any part of them. Uh, yeah. So 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 give me your thoughts on a, a favorite piece of gameplay content from FF from FF fourteen Heaven's Word and least favorite. Uh, whoever is ready to go. Um, I guess mine, and I th- I think it's called it's their Samal or Sorkai, like the one where you fight Midgard somewhere at the end. Um, is my favorite dungeon. I cannot remember the name for Midgard sure. Midgard Stormer. The Midgard Stormer fight is at the end of Keeper of the Lake. No, not Midgard Stormer. Uh, Samal, you fight uh, Tomlin or whatever that dragon's name is. There's uh, one you fight Tio- 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 uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Tiomon is at the end Hrace of the area. Sorkai. Sorkai. Yeah, oh, oh, Sorkai is um Vilger's trial at right. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, he trials you. Mm. Yeah, just like the the music there, like the way like the the floating of it. It's just like there, there's like some stunning moments, like when you're like flo- floating into like the final area that you can just like see. Like I think that one is fabulous. Um, and you know maybe because I've played it 16 times in the last week, of uh, the Void Arc is definitely my least favorite piece of content in the <laughs> Final Fantasy 14 Heaven's Word. Uh, honestly, like it's just like not a very good alliance raid. Um, I think that the other two are better. Um, but because of the way that queuing works for the relic quests, like no one else is queuing for anything else. Um, what, what's right. the boss? Of, yeah. What's the boss at the end of Void Arc? I'm trying. I'm struggling to remember. Um, there's uh, Chuchelane is the second to last one, and then the last one is uh, it's a flying uh-huh. thing. I should know. Oh, is it, is, it, oh is, is it Echidna? Yeah, it's Echidna. That's yeah. Oh, it's Echidna. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Echidna is, is not as good as the Hair Demon at the end of uh, no. of of, 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 of City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, mm-hmm, right. Um, I still like them both better than um, the first um, Crystal Tower raid, but um, or uh, oh, but Labyrinth, still, Labyrinth, think, Labyrinth of the Ancients. Labyrinth I've run Ancients. I've run Labyrinth of the Ancients so many times that I, it doesn't yeah. even re- register me as as <laughs> four as four people on the pad. Four people on the pad. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mechanics. That that that's like a pretty low bar. Like I can name like probably twenty things in a Realm Reborn that I like less than the void arc you know what i mean so like um mm-hmm. even like it's not offensive or anything it's or just not veil. <laughs> or veil for example yeah, um, I, I did not have very words. many i did not have very many kind words to say about the thousand miles of total rack in the previous yeah, cutters episode. cry there's a reason i, mean. I call it thousand miles of total crap but anyway <laughs> i think peter called yeah. it thousand miles of total suck so you're on the same wavelength <laughs> <laughs> anyway um that uh, least favorite is still pretty low i mean like um the lost vigil i think is like a 51 and it's just okay um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're mostly really good. All right. So Liz, do you, what's your favorite and least favorite bit of gameplay content in FF14? Uh, oh God, there's just so much content. I, I, I love the Warring Triad. They were a lot of fun and doing the extremes. There's like so many cool and new mechanics at the time. They are all three uh, of them are so cool. Holy moly. Yeah. All three of them are pretty amazing. Sephiroth is my favorite cause he had like some badass music <laughs> and it was just like edgy as hell and 
I don't know. I like stupid stuff like that. Yeah, th- um, th- there's a song change in the middle of the Sephiroth fight, and it goes to some really crunchy, yeah. uh, like like metal punk stuff uh, in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the uh, all the Warring Triad fights start out with like a it's like a song from Final Fantasy VI, and then when you get mm-hmm. to the second phase of each of those fights, they have they all have their own theme, and Sephiroth mm-hmm. is just totally crunchy, edgy, just like hard rock theme, and it's just like so much fun. I adore that fight so much. Uh, least favorite would be, oh god, hopefully you guys didn't have to deal with this dungeon too much, but it's an optional dungeon called Never Reap, and it just sucks. It's not hard, it's just boring, and it sucks. And when it was an expert roulette, it was more like always reap, because you always got it. (laughs) (laughs) It was usually between that or Fractal Continuum, and I I just would rather have had Fractal Continuum every single time. Yeah, the the level 80 versions of of those two are Twinning and Academia Aniter, but those two dungeons both rule. I like uh, both of those. Yeah, well, well, I mean, but the choice between Never Reap and Fractal Continuum is hardly a choice at all, because Fractal Continuum is so much better than Never Reap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a correction. My favorite piece bouncing between all the islands just blah. <laughs> is the Nidhogg trial. The Nidhogg trial is incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, which is the, the final yeah. story, the final story trial in uh in 3.3ish, I yes. think. Yeah, yeah. It's 3.3. Mm. Yeah. Right. That one was so much fun as and well. And the mount you get from the extreme one of that is the purple bird. Oh, it's my favorite mount in the game. So anyway, it's a great trial. Nice. Yeah, that trial is so much fun for the cuz you 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 actually like fight Estanian for a short part of it. As in his red form that you mentioned earlier, Mike, and it was mm-hmm. just like it was just epic. He does like his dragoon moves and everything, and you just gotta like dodge the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, the FF14 team has gotten better at dungeon and trial and raid design with each game, mm-hmm. but they started to really get great in Heaven's Word. Like, th- there's good stuff yeah. in Realm Reborn, but Heaven's Word is the content delivery model and the the gameplay model that FF14 has been refining since 2015, and I hope, listeners, that our enthusiasm for this has been communicated properly, because this is, to many people, uh, the best part of <laughs> FF14. I'm not sure I have that opinion, but uh, there's a reason that this is a fan favorite, and uh, and what got people more excited than ever about FF14 in 2015 when it landed. But uh, looking yeah. to the future a little bit, uh, uh, Zach, I know that you're a Dragoon uh, Dark Knight double main. Uh, everyone knows that I am a warrior and a monk, uh, f- uh, for- first and foremost, and a gunbreaker on the side. And Liz, you are a well-documented ninja and Dark Knight, depending on what you have to do. Uh, and, yeah, but, but I think, it's yeah. mostly Dark Knight these days, okay, but yeah. Ninja's definitely a very close second choice. I, I, I remember for a while in uh, maybe 2019, you were uh, lament, you, lamenting parts of the Ninja uh, rotation. Because I, I think that I think maybe in your in, yeah. your, in your static you were you were uh, you were the signature ninja for a while and nin, nin, yeah be, being they, a, they, they have fixed it since then but basically back then ninja had a lot of off global cooldowns and a Lord very short uh, GCD so ninja would hurt your hands if you played it too much for a while but yeah, they you, fixed that. Yeah, for for a while, I mean, when I was learning ninja around then, you had to be like a concert pianist to be able to fit in all of the uh, all of your um your mudras and rudras and 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 yeah. kama sudras in time. Uh, it was it was uh, absolutely insane. So, like but anyway, now, no, go ahead, go ahead. 
like now the mudra are on global cooldown, which is a whole lot of buttons no longer on OGCD. So it, it's definitely like easier on the hands and you can still go do like really good DPS on it and feel like a concert pianist. But it's definitely much less stressful than it used to be. But it's still stressful <laughs> to land your trick attack properly because if I mean, I mean, you, you don't you don't Sometimes. even count. You don't even count as a human if you if you screw up your trick attack. Um, but uh, <laughs> th- th- that brief class discussion or job discussion was to say, how excited are we about Sage and whatever the other job is in Endwalker? Because, oh boy, uh, we're going to, we're going to, what is it? We're going to Bozja, we're going to, uh, Garlemald, we're going to the moon and we get to we're be going a, to Thavner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thavner, that's what it is. I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't remember the name of that city and it was, it's, it's Thavner, the, the crazy, uh, uh, metropolis, uh, n- neutral metropolis in between uh, Garlemald and Eorzea. But um, what's one thing, or what one hope, or one uh, one moment? Like, what's your hope or hype from uh, that you want to see out of Vandewalker? Just, just just one thing. It can be literally any FF14 thing. Um, I'll, I'll I'll go first. I want them to change the triple triad rules to allow four multiple four stars in. That's all. <laughs> of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Please, four star cards might not as well exist because you get you every deck in the world should be uh, four three stars and one five star. So so change the rules a little bit. Allow an extra four star to um to shatter the uh uh the the meta of triple triad. Please. Uh. So who el- who who else has an end uh, an end walker um explanation hope. Um, as far as new jobs go, I'm indifferent to Sage just because I'm a terrible healer. Never asked me to heal. Mm-hmm. So the Sage announcement was like, oh, cool, I got a Gundam healer. But I'm curious about the new melee mm-hmm. job. Like, I've seen, like, a couple size in the, in the Endwalker, uh, announcement, you yeah, know, showcase. Uh, so I'm hoping for, like, some kind of melee. They, they did say melee, so I'm hoping that involves size and, like, I don't know, lifesteal. I, I mean, as, as someone who right. has, uh, uh, I only have a couple level 80s, but two of them are monk and samurai, so I do enjoy a nice <laughs> melee. And uh, uh, the joke is that you, you, whenever Yoshi P does one of his um, uh, fan fest announcements, he wears a mm-hmm. shirt that teases the next announcement. So at the right. uh, yeah, at the event where the, they announced Endwalker and Sage, he was wearing some, uh, he wore two shirts at different times, and they were both, I think, Japanese death metal bands or something, but they showed skulls and sides on the shirt yeah so and people- like xenos has one in the trailer and there's a couple other you see size a couple of other times as well so and they did say that dragoon was kind of lonely in in yeah. in such that they mm-hmm. they're the only ones that wear maiming gear on their left side oh. so it was a hint that maybe it might be another class that shares maiming gear oh good a yeah. melee size job would fit that description i am very excited about all <laughs> I, wel- I welcome that yeah i, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I mean yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 a boring dude that only ever needs striking and fending gear. So uh so so uh, like some throw the uh, dragoon mains a bone please. But uh yeah, people are thinking maybe <laughs> necromancer, maybe some kind of death knight thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of theory crafting out there, but we won't know for sure until the next big FF14 announcement, which I think is coming in something like May. May, I think. Yeah. I want a DPS version of Dark Knight. Dark Knight was a DPS back in or it could have <laughs> been a DPS back in 11 if you played it that way. There's a little and bit they, of, and they and they and they used scythe as well. There's a little bit of scythe work in older Final Fantasy games, but they're usually just mm-hmm. sort of the same class as like an axe. Yeah. Uh so we're we're uh, we, that is there's true. yeah, so there there's a uh, a lot of speculation going on. The um the one that I've seen the most is necromancer. I don't think anyone knows anything. Uh but we, uh speaking of people that know nothing, um <laughs> uh 
I, I don't know. I was trying to turn that into a self-deprecating joke, but I really didn't have a. I really didn't have uh, an end goal there. No. I, I was just. I was hoping that I would. You're going to turn to me and say, "Speaking of people who know nothing, Zach, what are you excited about?" No. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, huh? I mean, that's I true. Did, we had to hear from Zach. I mean, oh damn! I, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What, 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 I mean, other than other than uh, second use for your maiming gear, Zach, what's uh, something? Uh, I hope you have about about FF14 Endwalker. I mean, uh, the naming gear thing was the thing I was going to go with, but honestly, it's like, give me the Final Fantasy IV nostalgia. Like, I feel like a lot of other Final Fantasy games have gotten a ton of nostalgia, whereas Final (laughs) Fantasy IV is the game that I have the most nostalgia for, probably, in the series, because I've just played it so many times, and it was Mm. the first RPG that I really remember vividly playing as a kid. It was was my Um, first RPG. Yeah, so I'm just excited about that, and honestly, please give me more inventory space. Please give me more. (laughs) space more glamour chest space yeah every time i complain about it mike's like you don't even craft I'm like i know i don't craft. how could it be worse <laughs> it's like oh yes it's just, like all and crafting just, makes it a hundred times worse yeah, would amazing. you like to see my retainers i mean, I mean, <laughs> I would not. I mean uh, removing belts from the game to add some ring and weapon inventory space is a good is a good start but but i mean yep. we, we, we want more whatever they can give us yoshi p please you agreed all right, so uh, sorry for briefly forgetting about you, Zach. Again, I know nothing, but let's uh, let's. I mean, that's the future of Final Fantasy fourteen and a little bit of the past of Final Fantasy fourteen. But let's talk about the future of Retro Encounter now. Um, uh, next week we're doing an episode on Crimson Shroud, a uh, a um, Matsuno three DS I uh, WiiWare game, uh, or no, not WiiWare, uh, whatever the th- uh, th- is it three DS iWare is the uh, is the name of that storefront. But anyway, it's a download only three DS game. Um, released a couple years ago that is unique and weird and we wanted to talk about it so we're podcasting about it next week i still have to finish that thing in time for to record next week uh and uh, but then later <laughs> but then later this month we're doing two episodes on muramasa the demon blade the vanillaware action rpg that was started out on the wii and eventually found its way to the vita and uh i'm again i had so much fun playing 13 sentinels aegis rim i got uh i got a little bit bi curious about other uh vanillaware games so we're trying out muramasa later this month but you know it is the first episode of the month that means i can talk about what's going on in april in april we're doing an episode on final fantasy 14 stormblood the same pattern as these previous two ff14 episodes and two episodes on suikoden 3 um uh suikoden is a big fan favorite series whenever we uh, post anything about suikoden people come out of the woodwork and it gets incredible social media shine uh so we're gonna try and grab some of that shine by uh playing Suikoden 3 over the course of a month and podcasting about it over two episodes in April. I played the beginning of Suikoden 3 like 15 years ago and I found it confusing, but now I'm going to go in with a a better mindset and a determination to actually finish it or at least make it past hour three. We'll see. And, uh, and Zach, I know you're a big Suikoden fan and, uh, you were on the Suikoden 5 episodes a year or two ago, but, uh, but uh, sadly joined RPG fan after those Suikoden 2 episodes. Oh, so, I know. So how excited are you? How excited are you for Suikoden 3? I'm incredibly excited. You know, honestly, I haven't played Suikoden 3 since release and like my memory of it is not like super great. Um, like it, because it's, it, it's pretty different from Suikoden 1 and 2 and like I just wanted like, Suikoden 3 to be just like Suikoden 2 and 1. Um, and they're, they definitely try some things out there, and I'm excited to give it a shot again. And that game came out in 2002, so uh, if you sit, played it, say, within a year after it came out, it's been probably 16 or 17 years for you. Yep. Yeah, I played it 
like I think I bought it on release day. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's <laughs> in high school. That's Suikoden in three coming in April and something in May that we've started to plan out and I'm excited about, but don't want to talk about yet. But if you want to um, send us suggestions or comments or anything at all, uh, directed towards the podcast, uh, producers, please email us at retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG fans message boards, visit our Facebook page, our Instagram page, our Twitter, our Discord, our YouTube, something streaming on Twitch almost every day. There's also, uh, also three other fine podcasts um, hosted or promoted by RPG Fan. Random Encounter, every two weeks about randomness. Rhythm Encounter, every two weeks about RPG music. And Phoenix Edge, our partner podcast run by Hat and Eric and uh, a weekly podcast mostly focused on current events. You can review Retro Encounter or those other three fine podcasts on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or however you're listening to us. Provide whatever feedback you can. Please, please give us any attention at all. Uh, but if you want to give us attention at a more individual level, uh, let's see how you can find our panelists individually, uh, starting with you, Zach. Uh, you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. And Liz. You can find me at uh, Liz at RPGFan.com. I'm not sure if it still works. Or uh, mostly I'm uh, doodling about on Twitter at, at underscore salted earth. Yes, it's a Dark Knight spell, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy moly, how did we uh, podcast about RP, about Final Fantasy XIV for almost 90 minutes and not talk about the Dark Knight quests? Oh my uh, god. Holy They're crap. The most beautiful quests ever. Oh. Everybody must do them. <laughs> I, I, I don't love Dark Knight. I think Dark Knight is my least favorite tank to play, but it has the best quests. Holy crap. Yeah. The, the, They're just so much more personal compared to literally every other job quest in the game because it's more like about you and your various subconsciousness. Uh, yeah. And even uh, Stor- the Stormblood one has a callback to both Horshafont and Ysail and, you know, all the stuff he did in the Dragonsong War. Yeah, and and, and, and Fr- Frey is just one of the best NPCs in the whole game. Frey mm-hmm. is wonderful. Frey even becomes your a literal living shadow when you get to Dark Knight 80. Mm-hmm. Frey is the, yeah. your 80 spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you get to you get to summon Frey to fight alongside you at, as level 80 Dark Knight, and that I have Dark Knight. I think at 60, uh, that summon makes me think about man, maybe I should level up Dark Knight. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like a 180 second cooldown. Like if you can use it relatively frequently, it's mm-hmm. super awesome. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's every it's, uh, it's 120, so it's every two minutes. So it's like nice and it's like having a dot basically. Every couple minutes. Yeah, um, but it, 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 it's the big tech it, uh, uh, Dark Knight spell, though, right? Pretty much. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Probably the most useful and the probably even more popular one is the seventy one, which is the Blackest Knight, which oh, is oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, twenty five percent shield that you can put on yourself or a party member. Yeah, and it's that. incredibly <laughs> useful. Yeah, Blackest Knight either shields you a ton or shields you enough and then like refills all of your meters again, which is yeah, you know, crazy if, good. If you take enough damage for it to be used up and then you you basically get a free dps spell and uh it's on like it uses mp but it's only on cooldown every 15 15 seconds seconds, so you can actually use it a lot which is very helpful in savage (laughs) maybe but maybe a little bit less uh extravagant and dramatic than than summoning Frey to fight alongside you uh but yeah it's less extravagant (laughs) but much more useful all of Frey is very cool all right, so yeah, I, I I'm glad we got we fit that in because I, I I don't think we I, I don't think we could avoid uh, uh, talking about Frey in this episode. I'm glad, so I'm glad we did that. But uh, listeners, if you want to reach out to me, the best way to do so is probably Twitter. I'm at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. 
So, okay. Uh, I'm just leave on there. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. You're, you're just Liz. I had to. I had to um, fish around Discord to to find you so we could record this podcast. <laughs> yeah, my bad for not having Google. No, it's 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 all it's all good. Usually is, I do. No, 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 but I mean, you are semi-retired from RPG fan, and you've only been on Retro Encounter twice ever. So I'm really, really glad that I got to talk to you, Liz, about one of your sort of signature fandoms, um, and uh, and having uh, Zach, you and I together as sort of like the uh, new player, intermediate player, advanced player. I thought was a great dynamic. So thank you so much for joining us, Liz. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you to to you too, Zach. I know we've po- we've podcasted a lot uh, recently, but you haven't been on a game journal uh, since since September. So we we got to reconnect for that Sweet in Three podcast. We're going to make it happen. I'll be there. I'll be there. Right on, listeners. That sounds awesome. From uh, Zach, Liz, and I. Thank you. Good night and good luck.